Earlier this week, the news showed pictures of possibly the two most powerful men in the world hunched in a corner of a room over a small coffee table, which was about the size of the ones we have in the lounge next door. Vladimir Putin and Barack Obama discussed how they might use their muscle as a response to the actions of Islamic State terrorists. Many a time have their predecessors rattled their sabres at each other, but this was a time for calm talking. But for such powerful people, it could not have been an easy conversation. How can they send forth the image of being strong and unshakable to their opposite number, yet at the same time share a sense of weakness and wonderment about the future that actually seeks the other's cooperation or assistance? The passage we have today has two men, but it's a very different conversation. But they're still feeling each other out. One believes himself to be powerful, yet is actually weak and will give way to those that are actually under him and also to the sentiment of the mob. The other is the most powerful person who has ever lived, the son of the living God, yet here he is presented as a prisoner and looking weak. And to the eyes of the Roman ruler, appears to be innocuous. Where we sometimes see strength, there is not strength. And where we sometimes see weakness, there's a much stronger core. All four Gospels have the opening gambit by Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? And the way this question is written in the Greek includes a, a kind of stressing on the word you. Are you the king of the Jews? You? It's as if Pilate who has just been told that the king of the Jews is going to be there before him, just can't believe that this person is the one that's been arrested. There's a level of sarcasm in his voice. What are those priests thinking? Who would believe that this man... This one that stood here before me could ever be thought of as a king. 
He's not dressed as a king. He looks far more like a servant. And that, of course, is where Jesus' kingship lies. He is a ruler, but he's also one who rules through serving. Now, our understanding of kings is quite different today from what it has been in the past. I guess ever since the English Civil War, the place of the crown in this country has been quite different from what it historically was. But even with that, we might have an understanding of how people become queen or king. They are normally born as an heir. And a thousand years ago in this country, Edward the Confessor became king because his father was king. Where there is no direct heir, the successor is appointed. And so Edward's successor was appointed. Harold Godwinson. And then, of course, there are those kings that win their crown in battle. Maybe particularly in battle in this case. For Harold gives way to William the Conqueror. In the first century before Christ, Herod the Great had in battle one Judea and then later Jerusalem from Antigonus. And so by the Roman Senate, he was given the title King of Judea. That's King of a Geographical location. His grandparents had been Arabs, but his parents were Jewish converts. And although Herod repeatedly broke the Torah, including murder and adultery and building temples for false gods, he adopted the style King of the Jews. That's what he considered himself to be and expected others to call him. But following his death, the land was split between different rulers. Things were not peaceful under Herod or afterwards. Sedition was continually in the air. And the question in Pilate's mind must have been, was this Jesus really someone that might be bringing those lands back together? Was he going to be a king like Herod who took the title king of the Jews? 
Is this someone that could lead people in revolt? And of course, there was maybe also that question about the other ways of being king. Is this the heir to the throne from before the days of Herod? Has the title been passed down to him? Or has someone anointed this man to be the king? And we should understand the answer to be yes. Yes to all three of these things. Although he himself is not going to use violence, through his bloodshed, a victory will come. This is the inheritor from the root of Jesse and the line of King David. He is the son with whom the father is well pleased. He is the inheritor. And he is also the one that the Holy Spirit rested upon as a dove. The one whose being was transfigured on the mountainside. He is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, long promised by the prophets. Jesus responds to the kingship question with the question that he asks of all of us. He puts aside the challenge of what our background is and what we look like. He doesn't care about our appearance but looks within us and asks Do you call me king, or is that what someone told you to say? When we sing a song of praise, are we simply singing a song, or are we praising God? When we read the Bible, are we simply reading a book? Or are we seeking to learn and grow and to live in a new way? When we say the Lord's Prayer, as we've spent some time doing this morning, are we simply repeating something that we have learned parrot fashion? Or are we thinking about those words and what they mean? Are we praying As Jesus taught us. When we say Jesus is the king. Is this something that others have simply told us? Or is it something we believe in our heart? Pilate doesn't see him as king. It would appear at this stage. And is increasingly thinking, this is a Jewish matter. It's nothing to do with me. What are those priests doing bringing this man before me? 
I'm not a Jew, he says. But he is also aware that the Jewish rulers are concerned about this. And he wants things to be tidied up. But how to proceed with the trial? Pilate has been told a charge, but has heard no evidence. When the priests met with Pilate, they tell him what the charge is, and he says, well, what's he done? And they said, look, we wouldn't have brought him here if he wasn't guilty. So just get on with it. But for Pilate, there is something within him that says, I have to find out more. He looks at Jesus and goes, this, this man can't be the king. What has he actually done? He looks at Jesus and thinks, he's not leadership material, is he? He had a small band of followers, but they all ran away. And so the question, what have you done? What makes you guilty? One day, that'll be a question posed about us. One day, we'll stand before a judge. And there'll be those who declared him Lord of their life. And those others who, although praying Lord, Lord, had not actually really thought about what their king expected of them. We are all guilty. But Jesus will be merciful and tell his followers that the price has already been paid. And for the others, they'll be told to clear off. And it's looking forward to that day. The day when his sovereignty will be seen in its fullness. That Jesus answers Pilate indirectly. He refers to his kingdom. And says it's not of that physical, earthly nature that, Herod's been th- uh, that Herod used to have. It's not that nature that Caesar has. It's not that nature that we might normally understand. Jesus has a spiritual realm. And he's the rightful king of that realm, that kingdom. 
because he's been given the authority by the Father. And it's on hearing this that there seems to be a slight change in Pilate. He says, you are a king. Not, so you did claim to be a king. He says, you are a king. He's got the concept, but he's not got the enormity of the situation. He doesn't really get who's before him. He's just worried about that day. And that the man before him doesn't pose a direct threat. The Pharisees and Sadducees have not understood that he is king. They have not seen that he is the king of all kings. They have had much evidence come before them. Unlike Pilate, who's seen none. They've had people who have declared that Jesus has spoken with authority. And they might even have heard some of that themselves. There have been signs and there have been wonders. There has been testimony of people healed by Jesus. But the Pharisees and Sadducees choose to turn away. If you see and hear the truth of who Jesus is, then only in foolishness can you ignore the kingship that he has. He is the one with the truth of how things are and how they one day will be. We often like to think that our knowledge is based on truth, but it is often based on what we have seen and heard and learned, which may or may not be true. A newspaper will often give a different account dependent on its political bias. The story of a party leader making a statement will be great or it will be dismal, depending on which broadsheet or which tabloid you pick up. It's often said that it is the victor who writes the history books. Now that's not always true. But the fact is that it's written by the survivors and so the story may be told from different angles, but not every angle. And the outcome is often subjective. And so we're right to question what is truth. But in Christ, the Son of God, we do have truth. The truth of God's love revealed incarnate the truth of sacrificial giving body broken 
and blood shed. The truth of new life as he rises from the grave. The truth that we can have hope. He is the king of God's people. Recognise him. Become one of his loyal subjects. Consider his demands upon you. Serve him. Because he has served you as he has revealed the love of God. Amen.